0: abundance. We all want more of it. Health, relationships, career, prosperity. To be human is to strive for more. There's ample advice on how to create abundance. We need to have positive thoughts and believe in ourselves. But what happens if positive thinking doesn't come naturally? Are we doomed? I'm Jill McCabe, author, entrepreneur, negative thinker turned optimist and your host on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. For years, I struggled to believe in myself and for years I fell short of my goals and aspirations until I learned a nifty bit of neuroscience that taught me how we can all rewire our brains to have more positive thoughts, self-belief and abundance. That's what I created Thinking Vitamins for, Thinking vitamins are sticky ideas, mantras, and perspective shifts that retrain your brain to expect good things to happen to you. So I ask you, are you ready to boost your abundance? Let's dive in. All right. Welcome to the Thinking Vitamins Podcast, episode number four, where today we are going to tell a story of an impossible goal, an emotional breakthrough, and the role of a social catalyst. And in today's episode, I will have my first guest that I will have on the Thinking Vitamins podcast. Today's guest is Mariah Louise O'Brien. She is also my mother. I am very excited to be welcoming her to today's show because like my great-grandmother and grandmother if you listened to the past two episodes who achieved extraordinary things for their time. My mother is just a chip off the old block because she also achieved extraordinary things for her time. I a uh, quick introduction of this remarkable woman who, from whom I have learned so much. I know that I have become the teacher, the coach, the facilitator, the person I am today because of the model that she set for me on how to help others and be of service to others. You know, I, I grew up and in my, my young years, formative years, she was the principal of a private accredited high school that called remedial reading center that helped People who the system deemed unhelpable help them read, help them learn, help them build back lives that they didn't expect to build. I can think of countless times where I would get to interact with her students and they would look at me and tell me, your mother is an angel. And you can appreciate, like, I remember one student, he had a head injury uh, from a serious car, sorry, motorcycle accident. And he was deemed like, sorry, you're you're just not going to be okay ever again. But no, he was. My mother helped rehabilitate him. So as a young child, I witnessed this. Uh, her, her professional background or her academic, you know, credentials, she was, uh, she had a master's in education. She also had a postgraduate in early childhood education focusing on research, something that I greatly benefited from. Those of you who know my story know that I was diagnosed with um, pretty significant dyslexia and some ADD growing up. So I struggled with school and was fortunate to have a mother with this background who was able to arrange that I get remedial help which made a big difference to me. Uh, She also spent uh, quite a bit of time as an educational therapist in a counseling center at York University, working with adults who helping them get their educations if they had any learning differences, as I like to call them, as opposed to disabilities. Uh, And today, my mother, Mariah Louise O'Brien... Or we just know her often as Mariah O'Brien, is here today to tell a very moving story about a young boy named Timmy. Who, well, she'll tell the story, but it was sort of deemed he was getting to the point where it seemed he was unhelpable. And the story is quite remarkable and shaped her entire career really gave her the ability to help people who were deemed unhelpable, And I do believe that it's really the kernel of also of how I have seen so many people have breakthroughs much later in life using the same knowledge and lessons that she gained from this early experience.
1: with jill mccabe boost your abundance in every way we are all passengers of Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. I am honored, and pleased, and proud. Yay!
0: Okay, cool. So I know that I always thought the story of Timmy was just an incredible story. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, where what where were you working? What was your job and? How did Timmy end up your client? Who's
1: Timmy? Tell us, let us know. Fill us in on the backstory. Timmy was a little boy in grade two. He was in Toronto Public Schools, and he had not learned how to read in grade two, although his intelligence was well within the normal range, in high average. Um, And I worked for a clinic owned by two psychologists who were Uh, Professors in the program where I was a student. And um, the psychologists were using a method that had not previously been used with children called Gatenyo Words in Color um, very effectively with a lot of young students who were not succeeding. And I had, but the program was booked with the school for two sessions. And I was approaching the end of the second session with Timmy and he was not succeeding. And it was very frustrating because he worked hard and I worked hard and all the other children that had been assigned to me had done well. And, um, but it was going to be our last class and I was going to have to go out and report to the psychologists and the parent, um, That we had not succeeded. And the issue was uh, phonetically, you have to use two, three sounds to get words that are meaningful. And Timmy could get any two sounds in the English language together and make a a syllable, a a monosyllable. But as soon as you added a third sound, he dropped one of the others out of the group. So you you could say and or at, but you couldn't say pat or cat. Um, And it was baffling as to why this happened. And just when I was going to have to go out and talk to the parents and, you know, the psychologists and report my failure, um, I was really upset that I had not succeeded with this child because he worked hard and he was a really sweet little boy. And I got up from the table, and I physically banged my head against the wall in my own feeling of frustration. And he looked down at the book and read all the words with three letters. And it still makes me cry today, because when he realized how much I cared about his success, it got him to break what had obviously been a rule in his own mind what i really did learn was the importance of the emotional component in learning and back then in school we were taught methods and the methods were very analytical and they were very cognitive and they were good and they dealt with a component of language and communication but they obviously weren't dealing with the whole thing because a learner has to want the skill that um, that is at the other end of the work. That was really what I learned from that story. And then from then on working with Timmy, what's, I was just making him want to be able to read. And as soon as I could make him want to be able to read, he was reading. And in one more session, he was at grade level. In one more session, what? Not one more hour session. A session was eight classes. Got it. But what I did during those eight classes was I, I took him for walks. We went to the museum. We um we did outings together, and he read environmental signage. And then, um, when I was up to the seventh of the eighth classes, I said. Timmy, you have to read the school book or we can't have any more classes. And he picked up the school book and read it. (laughs) And so, but what I took away from that was one, to trust my own intuitions, to, to listen to what my instincts were telling me about when things weren't working the first way, to try another, and to really switch, not to keep going on something that is um, not succeeding. Um, You need to give things a fair try, but after a fair try, you need to find a new way. This story is
0: so powerful, and it's as powerful every time I hear it. You know, when I think of Timmy just going through with you and Struggling to learn, struggling to to read, to get those three sounds together, and then that moment that he sees, like you're about to go tell your bosses that you failed, you're about to go tell uh, his parents that you failed, and. My understanding is Timmy had already worked with other people as well. So they were they were my recollections of you taught that is correct because I see you nodding. And so that that really you knew that going out there was almost like Timmy is a lost cause, which is why you hit your head against the wall, because it wasn't just you failed. It was like you knew this kid was gonna get given up on. Was that is that accurate to any degree?
1: Yeah. He he was at the end of, he didn't know he was at the end of the road, but I knew it was the end of his road in standard schooling,
0: and you really didn't want that for this child,
1: and so it was so wrong for this child because he was a bright, capable little boy, yeah, and he saw that
0: anguish in you, and he saw that you know really you really gave him this really strong reason. For learning, and you 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 spoke about that, and I just want to reflect, you know, to to listeners. This reason for goals is so important, whether it's a learning goal or a business goal or a life goal or a change goal or a relationship goal. Is is that sometimes we just don't truly have a strong enough reason, and I think there has been a lot of research since back when you went to school. On the importance of this, and certainly, um, I talk about something called hot goals, and hot goals are sort of these biological driving goals in our subconscious that predetermine what we see, say, and do milliseconds in advance. Um, We don't, you know, we don't actively set them, but they do determine what's going to happen. And. You know, Mom, I I have noticed in my work with people who will come to work with me in their 40s and 50s, uh, and start their dream businesses, whether it's a coaching, teaching, or mentoring business. And oftentimes, there will be they're so smart, they're so capable. They have this lifetime of experience to share, and they have. No, you called it emotional blocks. I often use the term subconscious block. I think they're very related because we do know that the part of the brain that's, you know, involved with emotion is uh, sort of more of that subconscious or unconscious part of the brain. Um, But I have seen incredibly capable people totally stuck in their lives. This is not just happening to Timmy in grade two you know, totally stuck in their lives because of something subtle that's keeping them from moving forward. And critically, what I love about your story, and I'm looking forward to hearing your reflections on this, is that so many times, and I talk about this a lot in my work, we don't do things because we think it's going to be bad for others. We Somehow it's going to hurt others. Now, that wasn't the case with Timmy. He saw how it would help you. (laughs) it was different with Timmy, but the, the motivation is that we, what I see with, you know, adults, right, is that we think our actions will hurt others, you know, because we won't be there for them or we'll take time away from them or we have this idea and something that I've done a lot is... Um, really helped people paint a picture of how something does help others. So, yes, I'd love to hear your, your
1: thoughts. My There's certain personal things in Timmy's story that I am, am not at liberty to share, but he was not reading because he believed it would hurt someone else. Okay. That, that was a major component of his block. Wow. It's just to to back up your observation.
0: You know, it's easy if, if you're listening to this and wondering, hey, am I stuck somewhere because uh, is this is this affecting me? It's pretty easy to figure that out. You could just go ahead and ask yourself, who will suffer if I do this? And say, who will suffer if I achieve, you know, X? And you, you might be able to come up with a big, long, list. So I would encourage you to ask yourself that question. And these are, these are erroneous. Like we know. And so let's go back to Timmy. So Timmy uh, did believe that somebody would suffer if he learned to read. And then did Timmy see otherwise
1: later? Yes. But that became a conversation with the parents. But he did see other, he did he come did, to see he did that see it didn't see hurt otherwise. anybody for him to. He did yeah. see otherwise and he did learn that his decision that he had made when he was in kindergarten was um, not necessary to protect others
0: okay so and this is exactly how these things come in to our adult life I mean Tim was so lucky that he had you know the interaction with my mother and sometimes we are lucky and that someone someone helps us break free of a psychological barrier but sometimes there's many that we grew up with that that we don't break free of. Now, before the show we were talking a little bit about how this has informed your work since, right? And so, what I would love for you to talk uh, speak to a little bit about how, you know, learning about this emotional component and this need, this reason why, how did that help you moving forward? A
1: lot of my work going forward became assessment of the core cause of somebody's learning problem. And That broad focus. I mean, Timmy is pivotal because he got me to look beyond everything that I'd been taught and not to ignore what I'd been taught because it was all very useful, but to realize that it was a stage in learning, a stage in knowledge acquisition of our culture, and that our culture was becoming more sophisticated and knowledge would still grow. It wasn't fixed at the point where I was in school in the late 1960s and 1970s. Um, And and that just led me to develop things that turned out to be useful all along the way for other groups and other issues. And it opened my mind to, I guess, to infinite possibilities that could be wow. there. And all you had to do was look for them.
0: It opened my mind to infinite possibilities that could be there. And all you had to do was look for them. Wow. <laughs> and I I think that you really, I got that from you, mom. I really got that, you know, I was just, uh, so I'm currently working on book number two and I was in a, a book group and I talk a lot about you know how sometimes people have all the knowledge and then not the success, and that's what I do with my clients. Is we look beyond, we take that broader picture. Clearly, I got that from from you. Um, where I I I I zoom out, and people just want it to be so exact. Like I had somebody who was sort of interviewing me last night in this in this group and and saying, well. So exactly what gets in the way, and I said, well, for each person, it's kind of different, you know, (laughs) and so we want this to just be this box that we can check, you know, (laughs) and it would just be so convenient if people fell into one box or another box, but that is part of the work that we do, that's why we work, we do, you know, our, my company, Boom You, we have Small groups where people get dedicated individual time as well as group experience so that they have multiple forms of of learning. And the reason that they need this individual experience is because they're all, I'm not working with them all the same way, or my team's not working with them all the same way. It's very individualized. And I just saw your face as I said that, right? (laughs) So I'm just curious what came
1: to mind. The group experience is a really component important component too. Um, you mentioned briefly in a conversation with me the, the lecture that I did in Israel um, to educators of special education around the world. And that was all about a group experience that complemented individual experiences and helped people get more through their issues because of the group as well as the individual work? Well, I'm clearly
0: a chip off the old block here (laughs) because that's exact. And it's because it's what I needed. You know, I used to take these programs where I was invisible, where, you know, even high school, I was a high school dropout originally. I mean, I did go back and do my master's, but many years later, and I was a dropout because I didn't fit into the system. You know, and then I've taken so many courses online to grow my business and I didn't fit into those systems and I felt really invisible in them. And I guess you know that that sort of is always been the support I need. Someone to talk to me about my viewpoints, which just didn't feel like they fit in the box. But I definitely the group learning is is amazing. So yeah, I mean combination doesn't always have to be a false dichotomy. <laughs> some group, some one-on-one bring it together. Yeah. Well, listen, um I know we've got to get you off to a bridge game. So, I want to uh just wrap up today uh, and say thank you very much for coming and sharing the story. I think I think for listeners, uh, we always finish with a thinking vitamin and today I think you know, I think we have we have two strong ideas. We have what is your reason why for doing this? But I really think it's this concept of a social catalyst. So often we have told ourselves erroneous, untrue stories about how our getting something will take away from others. This is a big part of my work. So if you have something that you feel cognitively able to do, you're like, wait a second, I can do this. I'm smart enough. Come on. I know this. And you have been duck and it feels like maybe you've been banging your head against a wall, I encourage you this time to a mantra that uh, can be used in a lot of different ways is it's good for me and it's good for others when I, and then you can put your goal at the end. So it's good for me and it's good for others when I, and then uh, I would highly encourage that you journal how something that you want could be good for others and the multiple ways that it could be good for others. And that just might be a social catalyst that helps you move forward. Mom, thank you so much for sharing that powerful story here on Thinking Vitamins. I am happy to share it. Thank you. It was great having you here today. And that is today's episode
1: With Jill McCabe, boost your abundance in every way. Oh.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to my brand new Thinking Vitamins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, I'd be grateful if you'd take a moment to like, follow on your favorite platforms, and share with one or two of your friends who've been seeking more abundance. If you'd like additional resources, including a free copy of my book, it's go time by visiting thinkingvitamins.com. That wraps up what I have for you today. Until next time, remember, when it comes to training your mind to expect success, repetition wins. Practice your thinking vitamins every day and you will become more abundant in every way change your mind and change your life. See you next week.